Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. So we begin a new series today. I'm excited about it. It's a, it's a series that a lot of preachers will do toward the beginning of the year that, that kind of recalibrates churches. It, it, it kind of, um, you, know, you can come here for a long time and, and maybe be able to guess at what you think the core values are, but we once in a while like to just stop down and declare what they are and, and help you to see them and help you to see why they're important. Uh, we're doing a series today called Tracks. That will become more uh, apparent to you as we, as we go through this morning. It'll make sense to you. Uh, the point of the series is really just to take stock of how we do things at Cross Lane and ask ourselves, are we on track? And see, everybody is on a track to somewhere. Everybody is, is going somewhere you're on a journey, you're on a road, and your road brought you to this beautiful maroon chair that you find yourself sitting in this morning. That road brought you here. Now, I, I recently heard a quote, and, and this is what the quote said. Everything that has happened in your past is the perfect way to get you to where you are right now. Everything that has happened in your past is the perfect way to get you where you are right now. That's just a reality. Everything in your life up to this point has done the perfect job of creating the life that you are living right now. To get you where you are, if 20 years ago, if this is where you wanted to be, then you have done it perfectly. Congratulations. Your family is the way it is right now, not because of one decision that you made, but because if you added up the past hours, minutes, days, and years, the result is your family, right? Your finances, your sexuality, your addictions, your habits, good and bad, your relationship with your friends, with your family, with God. It's all a culmination of dozens and dozens of choices and decisions and steps that you have taken and that other people have taken, and they all add up to having led you to this chair this morning. This is your life. Depressed yet? Um... I'm not saying that everything in your life is your fault. I don't know whose fault it is. I'm not saying that you meant to end up with this kind of life. I don't know how you got here or whose fault it is. It's not my concern to try and place blame on anybody. And I'm not here either to bang you for, for the way your life has turned out. It's not, I'm not interested in putting you down or making you feel bad because your life turned out the way it has. No one wins when that happens. So please don't think that that's what I'm, I'm trying to do. All I know is that your road, your tracks, brought you here. And the question this morning is, if it keeps going this way, if you keep tracking this way, if your life keeps its current trajectory, where is your life going to go? I'm not talking about tomorrow. I'm not even really talking about next week. I'm saying go down the tracks. Where is this? If you, if you keep going, where's this going? Where do you end up? Is it more of the same? Is your future just more of your past? And is that what you want? And for some of us, the answer would be, yeah. I mean, some of you, you know, you've made good decisions Life's great for you. You would look over the last 20, 30 years of your life and you'd say, you know, I think I've, I made a misstep once in a while and there's a couple of things didn't go just the way I wanted, but for the most part, I'm pretty pleased and if, if I make decisions like that for the next 30 years, I ought to be 
Okay, well then, great for you. I'm, and I mean that. But there's an awful lot of people this morning that a really bad moment is coming for us when we look around and we kind of pull the panic cord and we say to ourselves, oh, slam on the brakes because I just discovered this is not what I wanted. This is not where I thought I would end up. This mess is not the life that I thought I would end up with. I was always taught and I always thought that if I lived my life this way, if I stayed on track, that I would have more happiness, that I would have more contentment. And if you just kept doing the same things and going in this direction, then, then I, th- I thought I would find meaning and I thought I would find purpose. And, and there's this awful moment in a lot of our lives where it just hasn't turned out like that. And we would say, this isn't the life that I wanted, and this isn't the way I thought it would turn out. I I don't want this life. And now we're kind of sad, or we're angry, or we're depressed, or frustrated, or we're in a panic, because this is my life, and I don't know what to do. What what do you do? A lot of us... (laughs) A lot of us do what I do when I go the wrong way on a one-way street. You ever done that? I did that this week. In a city that I have lived in for 23 years, in a part of the city that you, you would say, Brett, you have got, no one would go the wrong way there. I did. And what happens to me when I go the wrong way on a, on a, on a street is I accelerate right? Because I just assume that going faster is the answer to the problem, right? Just accelerate, mash the accelerator. I know, I'm a mess. I'm just a mess, but that's what I do. And a lot of us, when we look around and we realize this isn't what I wanted, we kind of do that. We just kind of think going faster is the answer, don't we? Well, if I can can just get through this, if I can just push through, if I could make it through There'll be something better around the bend or over the hill. Well, we're kind of like the little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Here's a question. What if you can? What if you do keep pushing around and you get around the bend? What if you do make it up the hill and over? You're still on the same tracks, and you're probably going to end up in the same place, and isn't that some of our stories? How many times have we tried to make changes in our life and we ended up in the same place and we say to ourselves, you know, the next time it's going to be different. Teachers in the room, you've heard students say that, right? Next year it's going to be different. I'm going to do better. I'm going to study harder. My grades are going to be better. It's going to be different. We all say it. My next boyfriend, we're not going to do things like this. We're going to, it's going to be different. My next job, my next marriage, my next family, my next time I get sober, it's going to, I'm going to work at it. It's going to work right the next time. I thought if I worked harder, it would be different, but nothing changed. How did I end up in the same place? It feels like I'm in the same trap that I've always been in. And here's the truth that we're going to look at today, and and this is the first part. We're going to spend a few minutes on this because everybody in this room believes this, whether you're a Christian or not. You, you believe this. Your, your road led you here. That's just a reality. Your life adds up to the condition of your life today. And I, I'm not blaming anybody. It's just a reality. 
But there's a second part of this, and this is where we're going today and for the rest of the series. This is the message of Jesus, and, and you've got to kind of let this sink in, and you're going to hear, you're going to put it up on the wall for you. You're going you're gonna to see this, and you go, well, Brett, we know that. Okay, that's not profound. Okay, just, let's just, I want to read it to you. Where you are going and where you have always gone before doesn't have to be where you are going in the future. It could be, but it doesn't have to be. Where you are going and where you have always gone before doesn't have to be where you are going in the future. You believe that? Now don't hear me saying all this and hear me say, we're going to talk about Jesus and Jesus is going to be the quick fix band-aid. We're just going to put that on there. It's going to make everything better. I don't know. I mean, Jesus is always a good idea. Don't get me wrong about that. But, but a quick fix, I don't know that that's necessarily true. It's not a quick fix. The truth is, the reality is, once a train gets up enough steam, once it gets up a good head of power and it's moving down the tracks, it's pretty tough to slow it down. It takes a while. It doesn't happen instantly. And it's the same with the life. Once you get up ahead of steam and you, you begin to head in a certain direction, you just don't change direction all at once. So what we're talking about in this series is not, okay, on January 11th, everything changed. I wish it would. I wish it could. But I don't really think it works that way. Today is more about, I want to start making some decisions and some choices now that will affect what happens down the road, down the tracks. I want to, I wanna, maybe I can flip a switch so that, that I, I get off the tracks I'm on and onto a different set. And, and while we cannot change our past, no matter how sorry we are, we, we did it, right? We have to own our stuff. Your past does not have to define your future. That is why Jesus died on a cross to forgive all the things that we can't change and all the stuff that we can't undo. That's why Jesus came. But he also came so that wherever or whatever track or direction you're on today, whatever condition your life is in, that's where he meets you. See, Jesus does not say, stop that and then I'll meet you. doesn't say that. He doesn't say, change that and then I'll meet you. He doesn't say, fix this, promise to never do that again, or do this for a few weeks, and then I'll meet you. He says, I will meet you in your mess. I will meet you wherever you are. I'll meet you there. And it's going to take a lot of energy to slow this train down. And Jesus never promised that it was going to be easy. He said it was going to be worth it, and he called it a better life. The phrase he used, the words he used were, were the, the, word, the words abundant life. And I've spent years now thinking about what is Jesus talking about exactly when he talks about abundant life. Because here's what I don't think it is. Here's what I'm sure it's not. I'm sure when Jesus refers to the abundant life, he's not talking about, you know, great homes and great cars and money in our bank account and you know, whatever other peripheral things that we would associate, you know, for some it's camping, for some it's boating, for others it's vacations and travel. And we think that the American dream and the abundant life is found in those things. And Jesus says, no, it's not found in those things. 
I want to give you life, and I want to give it to you abundantly. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about, okay, what exactly does he mean when he says that? And again, he's not talking about our final destination. He's not just talking about our final destination of heaven. I think he certainly is, but he's also talking about this side of our funeral too. I think he's talking about what's going on on this side of the grass, this life, this track, this journey that you find yourself on. So what is it? What makes it better? What does a better life look like? And I would say it, it kind of looks like railroad tracks. You say, Brett, what do you mean? I only have one point today, so we'll get out of here early. Don't believe that. If you were to describe railroad tracks to somebody who had never seen them before, never seen a train, doesn't have any idea what you're talking about, railroad, that doesn't mean anything to them, I think one of the first descriptions that would come out of your mouth would be, well, there are these two rails, and they lay side by side. And someone would say, well, what do you mean side by side? You would say, well, I mean, these rails are constantly the same distance apart. I looked it up this week. I don't know if you know this or not. Every set of train tracks that you cross in Terre Haute, Indiana, are the same exact width apart, four feet, eight and a half inches. Did you know that? Four feet, eight and a half inches. And so if one veers to the left, then the other one veers to the left. If one veers right, the other veers right. If they go uphill, they go up together. They never, they always stay together. And they stick together. And they can carry enormous loads over enormous amounts of space because they do that jesus would say that description is what i'm talking about i'm talking about a better life the life i have in mind for you what does he mean he means this john chapter 5 if you have your bible look up john chapter 5 people were always trying to trap or embarrass jesus they were trying to catch him in things or trip him up and some religious people came to Jesus, and religious people don't really like Jesus. That's why I don't like to be considered a religious people. Um, to be honest, the problem that people had with Jesus in the day was Jesus was not religious enough for them. Okay? You say, well, Brett, Brett's always banging on religion. How come? Because religion just leads you to a dead end. A relationship with Jesus is different than that. But they crucified Jesus because he was not, think about this, they crucified Jesus because he was not religious enough. He hung out with the wrong people, he went to the wrong places, he talked to the wrong people, he liked the wrong people, just, they didn't like him. And so they were asking, you know, different things of him, and, and they were asking him questions like, you know, Jesus, why do you do the stuff you do? Why do you make the decisions you make? Why do you run your life the way you run your life? And the answer that Jesus gave him is in John chapter 5, verse 19. Truly I tell you, the Son, and he's talking about himself in this passage, the Son can do nothing by himself. He's answering the question. He says, you ask me why I run my life the way I run my life. Here's the answer. The truth is, I don't do anything independently on my own. Really? Well, what do you do? He answers that in the second part of the verse. He's talking about himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Well, Jesus, what do you mean? 
And Jesus says, I watch my father, and if my father goes left, I go left. I watch my father. If he goes right, I go right. If we're going uphill, I'm going uphill. If he's going downhill, I'm going downhill. If he wants something, I want the same thing. And Jesus would say, if you follow me, that's that's how we're going to do it. This is how Jesus ran his life. If God says it, that's the way I say it. If God wants it done, then that's, I want it done that way. Do you know what that's called? That's called authority. It's called authority. And Jesus says, I run my life by putting myself under the authority of someone else. I don't make the calls anymore. I am someone, I, I ask somebody else. I, in, in Jesus' case, I ask my father. Well, Jesus, why would you do that? Why would you ever... Put yourself under the authority of somebody else. Jesus says, because I trust my Father. I trust him. I think Jesus would say, I'm convinced that my Father is really good. I'm convinced that he loves me and wants only what's best for me and knows exactly how to get me where I want, really, truly want to be. And he will keep every promise that he's ever made to me, and if I follow him... He will lead me to a better way, so that is why I follow him. Well, Jesus, here's another question for you. What about what you want? What what if you want to do something different than what God wants? And Jesus would say, I don't. (laughs) Why? Because I'm absolutely convinced, even though I'm free to do anything I want, To live life independent from God, separate from God, will eventually, not maybe right away, but eventually will lead me to a train wreck. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Would anybody in the room this morning describe themselves as a train wreck? And wouldn't a lot of us say that the reason that our lives derailed is that I knew what God wanted, but I wanted something different. And I thought if I could get something different, I could get something better, and I knew how to do it better without God, and I went my own way. But eventually, the wheels fall off, the train jumps its tracks, and that part of our life fell apart. You know, that would describe just about every major mistake that we've ever made in our life, the biggest regrets we have. I knew what God wanted, I just thought I could do it better without him. Jesus knew that, which is actually why he taught over and over again, if you want a better life, an awesome life, here's what I'm telling you to do. Just like I line up my life with God, if he goes left, I go left. If he goes right, I go right. You do the same thing with me. You watch me, listen to me, follow me. If I go right, you go right. If I run fast, you run fast. If I run away from something, you should probably run away from it. And you say, well, Brett, that sounds like a puppet. Isn't my life, isn't leaving, leading my life like that kind of confining? Doesn't that mean that I have to give up my free will and, and I kind of become Jesus' slave? Authority, I, I, don't, I don't want to turn authority of my life over to somebody else. That just leads to slavery, doesn't it? And Jesus would say, nope. Actually, the opposite is true. It leads us to freedom. It leads us to freedom. See, one of the misquoted verses in the Bible, and people love to use the words of Jesus 
in ways that he never really meant them at all. And, and this is one sentence that gets plucked out of the Bible and applied to all different kinds of things, people that want to justify kind of how they're doing it. It's this, it's this verse out of John chapter 8, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You ever heard that? People use that. You'll see, hear it in movies, you'll hear it in, in speeches, political rallies. Can't we just all get along? You'll hear, you know, the problem is that's only half what Jesus said. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's just half of it. Whose truth? What truth? See, what's true for you may not be true for me. You know, I, I like certain kinds of pies and certain kinds of desserts. You may not like those. I, there's certain vegetables I like, certain, I mean, the way we like our chili, right? We could have, a, we could parade you up here out of, I don't know how many are in the room this morning, 250 of us, 200 of us. We probably come up with probably 100 different ways to fix chili, right? Some like macaroni in it, some like beans, some put hot sauce, some don't want anything like that. Some put hamburger, some don't. Not chili, then, but I, I mean, that's just my truth. I'm sorry. But what's true for you may not necessarily be true for me. Where does one find truth that sets people free? The answer is on the tracks. On the tracks. Let's back up. Let's look at the whole thought Jesus is trying to convey in John chapter 8. To the Jews, this is John 8 verse 31. To the Jews who had believed in him, there were some people who had said, I trust you, Jesus. Yes, I trust you. Jesus said to those people, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. In other words, Jesus is saying, if I teach you to do something and you do it, not just believe it. Not just go, oh, you know, it would be really good if people, people should really do that. Churches are full of people who do that. You know, people should do that. No, if I teach you to do something and you really do it and you make it a part of your life, then and only then will you really experience real truth. And then that truth will set you free. What does he mean? He, he means railroad tracks. Jesus says, go this way. Well, why this way, Jesus? Because if you go this way, it'll lead to a better life. Because this way is true, and this way works, and it's called reality. But Jesus, what if you go this way, but I want to go the other way? Can I be free to do what I want to do? And Jesus' answer would be, yeah, you're free to do what you want. It just won't work. Not because you're a bad person, not because you don't try hard enough. It won't work because it's not true. And eventually you will derail and you will discover this didn't lead to freedom. This led to I'm more broken and lost now than I've ever been in my life. See, a train that has jumped its tracks is not free. A train that's jumped its tracks is stuck. It's not going anywhere. That describes some of us, doesn't it? Several hundred years before Jesus was born, a guy named Solomon was around, and he had some really wise things to say. One of the things he said was, there is a way. Another way to say that is, there are tracks 
There's a way to live your life. There's a way that seems right to a man. You know, it's kind of like, you know, well, that's what my frat brothers did, or that's what my daddy did, or that's what my grandmama did. Seems like that's how you should live your life. There's a way that seems right to a man, but, and this is the warning, but in the end, not tomorrow, but maybe a couple of weeks from now, or a couple of years from now, or maybe lots of years from now, it leads to death. Your relationship will die. Your family will die. Your heart will die. Everything important. Jesus said it this way, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We have some core values around here that, that we, you know, you think of them as guardrails. They kind of help keep us on track. They are the driving principles that hopefully drive each of our lives personally, but also kind of drive us as a church. They drive what we do, not because they're easy, but because th- these things are, we, we think they're true things. And, and we believe as a church that if we hold to these teachings and put them into practice that will lead us to a better life individually and, and corporately as a church and here's the number one uh, core value and, and it's biblical authority we believe that if we are willing to put ourselves under the authority of the bible god's word not just believe it and read it a lot but we're saying that as much as we can we we try to adjust our life and and that God will show us a better way to live, how to love one another, how to forgive each other, how to recover, how to heal. God will show us how to be free. To, to figure out what is Cross Lane about or what do I want my life to be about. It, it, it's not just do you believe in God. Everybody believes in God, most everybody. It isn't just believing that a guy named Jesus came or it's not even just believing that he's God's son. A lot of people, if not most of the people, believe that. It's not just about believing that Jesus, that, that, it's not just believing that his words are true and that he can lead us to a better life. None of that makes any difference unless we're willing to come under his authority. And you say, okay, I just, I want to adjust my life parallel, side by side. I want to go live my life like I really believe that God is going to go a good way and I want to go the good same way and I believe he'll take care of me. And hear this, the moment that any of us do that, individually or as a church, the moment we let go of that and we move away from biblical authority and we say, well, you know, I just can't hang with that anymore. I'm I'm just going to move away from that because it's really hard and I don't understand it or it's politically incorrect or it just feels narrow and old-fashioned. The moment we let go of this book, we really have nothing left to say anymore. And we just become another self-help book or a motivational try-harder, believe-in-yourself, partial truth, books or magazines that you find in the grocery store. Biblical authority. We believe that Jesus taught this, and if we're willing to put his words into practice and run our lives parallel to what Jesus says is true, then we... We'll know the truth, and the truth will set us free and will bring us to a more abundant life. That's what we believe. Now, here's a sneak peek of where we're going next week. None of us have done that. (laughs) None of us have done that. So if you're sitting there thinking, man, they are arrogant around here. I mean, they think they have got it all figured out. No, we really don't. None of us have done it. None of us have really been able to put this into full practice. None of us have been able to parallel our lives perfectly. 
with what Jesus said is true so that the truth has set us free because we all have stuff. I mean, we could, if we would have an honest, open, you know, cathartic session in here and everybody share all their stuff, we would all have some, right? That stuff that we look at and go, ugh, oh, do I have to talk about that? I don't want to talk about that. All of this this morning, all of us this morning in this room would say, my life is still a train wreck. My life is still a mess. I am imprisoned by trap. I'm trapped by guilt. Which is why Jesus didn't just come to teach us the truth and say there's a better way. He also came to bring us grace and forgiveness. If we were going to try to describe Jesus in just two words around here, those two words would be truth and grace. Truth and grace. Those are the words that describe Jesus. But my prayer is those are the words that would describe me and you. And when people walk in and they sit in these chairs for the first time and then they get up and leave and they go back to their car, it's my hope and my prayer that they would say, you know what, that truth and grace thing, that's embodied in that church. I mean, they, they don't have it figured out. They're, they're, that's the that's a mess, most messed up bunch of people I've ever seen in my life. But they, they're pursuing truth. They're trying to follow, be about truth. They don't always get there. They don't always do it perfectly. And, and when that isn't the case, there's grace. But there, it's truth and grace. And it makes sense there. Now let me wrap this up with some tough, maybe pointed questions you have to work this out with god there's no guilt trip here i'm not i'm trying to i'm not trying to make you feel bad it's never my goal i I mean i i gain nothing as a communicator by just making you feel bad and have you leave here going man i'm horrible no it's a place of hope so here's what i want you to do i want you to pick out one or two areas that are most important in your life okay Maybe it's family, maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's girlfriend, maybe it's kids or health or money or sexuality or career. Pick out one or two most important things in your life, the, the things that, are, that you would say, my life is really about this. Here's what I want you to do with it. I want you to picture the most important part of your life rolling down the tracks and it's got a full head of steam. Okay, it's on the tracks, it's moving down, it's going full blast. Now, if your life keeps going the way it's going, what's going to happen? And don't say, well, I hope. No, no, no. Be honest. If nothing changes, just more of the same of the same of the same continues to happen with your kids or your marriage or your addictions or your job or whatever it is that you've kind of said, that's the thing for me. Whatever it is, here's what's going to happen. Not tomorrow, not next week. I mean, let play this out a few miles down the tracks, okay? Maybe years from now. Is that where you want to go, and is that how you want to end up? Again. Now, based on what you know about Jesus, or what you think you know about Jesus, what do you, what do you know he's telling you to do about that when you take stock and you think about okay this is the most important area it's going down the tracks full speed if i was going to take some action because i can see where this is going to end up and i don't think it's going to end up real good if it keeps going this way it's probably not good so what actions do i think knowing what i know about jesus what's he telling me to do about that 
I'm not saying what do you believe to be true about Jesus. I, I'm, I'm not saying hypothetically what do you think Jesus wants you to do. I want you to be honest. See, faith, no matter what you believe, if it doesn't cause you to get up out of your chair or get up out of a room like this and go do something, then it's really nothing more than just dead faith. And the Bible says dead faith never made anybody's life any better. No one's life changed because of dead faith. So based on what you know to be true about Jesus and what he says is true, what do you think Jesus wants you to do? I'm not saying you're going to do it. Some of you would say, I know what Jesus wants me to do. Dear God, no, I will not do it. Amen. Right? <laughs> I mean, if we're honest, we've probably all prayed that prayer at one time or another. God, I know what you want me to do. I'm not doing that. Amen. All right. All right. But I'll bet you know at least a piece of it. Maybe you don't know the whole thing, but at least a piece of it, you know what God wants you to do about it. At least the first step, the, the, the path, the track that leads to a better way always starts with the first step. No one's life ever got better or changed for the better without the first step. Now that part's between you and God, but, but you know. And here's the second thing. How are we going to adjust our life? How do we know when God says left, how do we know what he said about left? How do we know when God says, okay, I want you to go right here? How do we know what he said about right? So here's the second challenge. The, the first thing is, is totally an internal thing between you and God, but this, thing, this is more of an external thing. I'm talking about something that, that we're going to do now. Okay, and this is kind of, I guess, if you want to call it a challenge. And I don't ask you to do a lot of stuff. I mean, once in a while I'll ask you to send a letter to somebody that means something to you. Or, you know, I don't ask you to do, I don't give you homework. I mean, you're probably not going to do it. But I, I hope you'll listen to me, and I hope you'll try to do this next thing, okay? If we're going to get serious about this, let's give me six weeks, okay? Give me six weeks every day. I'm going to spend a few minutes in my Bible. Doesn't have to be a lot of time. I'm not talking about four hours of, you know, Bible study. I'm not saying let's get up at 4 a.m. and parse the Greek. It's not what I'm saying, all right? I'm saying can we, every day, and maybe some of you it's in the morning, some of you it's at night, maybe some of you have a break at work and you can take a break and you want to do it there that's great i'm just saying can, let's just all agree over the next six weeks to just start to say god if you're going to say right i want to know what right looks like if you're going to say left i want to know what left looks like to you i can only know that by reading your word so so let me read a, a few verses of the a, a day and i'm going to suggest one of the biographies of jesus let's let's pick luke all right let's just for the next six weeks Let's just read Luke, and, and you can do it. <laughs> you can. You, you can do it. And you're going to start reading, and you're going to think, well, I've heard some of this before, because it's going to start with Luke 2. is going to start with the, the birth of Jesus. We just went through all that. I read that to you at the candlelight, and, and you're going to go, well, I've, yeah, I've heard that. And then at, toward the end, you're going to get to the crucifixion of Jesus and, and, and the burial and the resurrection. You're going to go, well, I've, I, that's you know, Easter. I've heard all that. What if we did that? What if we just read Luke? And, and here's another, if you don't have a Bible, 
If you do not have a Bible, I need to know that so I can help fix that for you, okay? You should have a Bible, and if you don't, I want to fix that for you. But before you read, here's what I want us to do. And I'm just asking you for a few minutes. I just want you to take a little bit of time. And so you crack open your Bible, you find Luke, and you're going to sit there. All right, I'm going to read Luke. I want you to pray this little prayer. Okay, you ready? This is the prayer. God, would you just teach me one thing today that leads to a better life? Would you just teach me one thing today that leads to a better life? And you're going to read something and you're going to think, man, that makes no sense to me at all. Welcome to the club. Because his disciples followed him around for three years. He said things to them and they looked at each other like, what is he talking about? And I read things in there. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. I still read things in there and I go, man, I do not know what he's talking about. You're going to read it and sometimes it's not going to make any sense. You may not learn anything on one day, but don't give up. And if you fall behind, if you miss a day, don't beat yourself up. It's, this isn't, don't guilt yourself. Just the next day, do better. Take just a few minutes. You can catch up. You could read the whole thing tonight if you wanted to. And here's another thing. You know, if you read through it and it's like, you're like three weeks in, yep, I read the book of Luke, read it again. Okay, for six weeks, read the book of Luke. And here's the cool thing about this. As you wake up every day or at some point in your day, You're reading this stuff, and you're praying this prayer, Lord, teach me one thing today that'll lead me to a better life. You're going to know that you've got a whole church family full of people that are doing the same thing. It's just going to be interesting to see what I hear at the end of six weeks if some of you genuinely do this and take this seriously and go, you know, never done this before, and I'm not really a reader. I don't consider myself a reader, but I'm going to take Every day, and I'm going to pop this thing open. I'm going to read in Luke, and I'm going to pray that prayer Brett said I should pray. And, and I, here's what I think. I think God will honor your prayer. God is going to teach you things and speak to you about your life and lead you to a better life. A better life awaits the person who holds it up to the light of Jesus and says, here's what I got. What do you have to say about it? And it's hard. It's not easy. But it leads you to a better place. And it brings us into that abundant kind of life, that freedom that Jesus has been talking about through the New Testament. And whenever he was teaching, he said, you know, the truth will set you free. What does that mean? What does abundant life mean? It means better life. So that's my challenge to you. I hope you will do that. Let's pray together and and you guys can go watch football. How's that? Because that's really what you want to do is you want to go watch football. I'm not stupid. I know what's going on. Let's pray. God, very humbly this morning, we come to you and we tell you we've, we've not done this well. We, we are a testament to bad decisions. We are a testament to, we have prayed the prayer, God, I know what you want me to do, and I'm not going to do that. Amen. We prayed that prayer. And it doesn't, when we pray prayers like that, it doesn't mean you don't love us. It doesn't mean you don't forsake us. That's the beautiful thing about you. You are so faithful, so patient. You don't leave us when we pray stupid prayers like that. And it doesn't make us less than, and it doesn't make us any less important than we were before. You, you just, it, what it means is <laughs> we're taking life into our own hands, and we've proved over and over and over again when we do that, it's a train wreck. 
So God, how do we, how do we take life and put it on the rails and when you go left, we go left? And God, it just strikes me that it's an awful lot like guys who, you know, they go buy the appliance or they go buy the TV stand or the shelves and they come home and they take it out of the box and they just, and men don't think they need directions. They just throw the directions away. Who needs directions? And then they put something together and there's screws left over and, you know, parts where they're not supposed to be and parts left over. God, you've given us directions. And when we just maybe, maybe for the first time in our life, when we just pause a few minutes every day, open up the directions, and let you lead us to a better life. That's our prayer. God, meet us in those moments, teach us things that will bring us the full life that we all desire. God, this morning, I pray your richest blessings on the people in this room as they seek you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.